This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into this stupid fucking show we call Another Damn Sports Podcast. I am Drew Torres, and Money Mike Gilchrist is back after making us miss an episode last week uh, because he was too busy being Money Mike out in the world, winning over hearts and minds. How's it going, buddy? Hey, it's going good. It's good to be back. Yeah, thank you for those of you that are tuning in to listen to this uh, magnificent show. I don't know what he's talking about. Thank you for <laughs> giving us your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like to uh, just give everybody an idea of what the hell they're about to listen to, right, Mike? Of course. Yeah, they're going to jump right in and be a part of the conversation. Let's go. Well, speaking of stupid fucking, we'll talk yeah. about a stupid fucking person. Um, John Gruden, as everybody knows, listening to this podcast has come under fire uh, with the general public due to some emails that were released as a result of a investigation of the Washington football team and all of the misconduct that has potentially happened over the years down in DC. Mike, how do you feel about the situation with John Gruden? Why don't you give everybody an update who somehow hasn't heard about this on what happened? So there was a news on Friday that there was an email released between John Gruden and an NFL executive where, uh, he said some kind of he 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 said a I don't know if this was the one with the racial slur or the gay slur, uh, but it was from 2011. And when I first heard it, I thought to myself, you know, this was 10 years ago. It's not excusable what he put in there, but at the same time, at the time that he wrote this, he wasn't an employee of the NFL. I don't think that he should get fired for this. Was my initial feeling because I'm like this, you know, because I, I hate the I hate when people dig up old things on people and hold them to today's social standards. Um, but this was completely a different change of pace when all these other emails were released from a seven-year period. A seven-year period of not only uh, racist slurs, but sexist slurs, homophobic slurs. Uh, th- there's just no place for somebody uh, like that in the society we have today. It's just unfortunate that he's like that. And um, it, it, it was um, interesting to hear Keyshawn Johnson, who played for John Gruden at Tampa Bay, back when they won the Super Bowl and said that, you know, he, he's not surprised by John Gruden's comments because John Gruden's always been this guy who kind of makes you think that he's this over-the-top personality, great guy, and then behind the scenes, he's an ass. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I think that John Gruden's just the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a, a, a culture in the NFL that saying things like this is, you know, he, he obviously was comfortable enough to write this in an email. I and mean, how stupid can you be? I, I think <laughs> you know it's one thing to say something it's, it's one thing to, it's one thing to say say these things uh but when you write it down and click send you know there's no denying it you did write it down and it's, right. it's there for everybody to see it's just unfortunate and i think that um it was a good thing that the raiders kind of forced him to resign obviously he was told if you don't resign we're gonna have to fire you so i think that the owner who's friends with john Gruden kind of saved the guy in that regard in terms of embarrassment but uh, the feeling across the board from every network that I saw from Fox, from ESPN, from NBC, everybody is saying that this is disappointing and that it's, uh, um, it's it, that we have to deal with this in uh, 2021. Uh, but, uh, everyone's kind of anti John Gruden. No one's really giving them the benefit of the doubt anymore. Like they were trying to do on, on Friday. Yeah. After the initial scandal that came out when he was, uh, the, the comment he made about the, what was it? The, 
leader of the Players Association at the time. Um, yeah. it, it was definitely an off-color offensive thing that he said, but it, it definitely was something that you could have potentially taken as not racially motivated. It was something that it did seem like it was just a common saying that people said, and it, it, it frequently uh, is said about someone not in reference to the race. So he apologized for it. Everybody was like, okay. Even Mike Tirico and um, Tony Dungy on Football Night in America right. says that they knew the comments were wrong, but let's give them a pass here because it was so long ago and it was something that I'm sure he regrets and then we can just move on. But like you said, as all of these things came out, it just became something where, wow, John Gruden's just a dick, isn't he? Like, And the thing is, I won't say we all because it, every person out there hasn't made an off-color joke before. I, I know a lot of people who have, including myself before, but in the past, right. because obviously we grew up in a different society where the social standards were different, like you said. Mm-hmm. But to be that stupid, to do it throughout a seven-year period on a, in a platform that could just easily be tracked in this way, it, it just it, it shows that he didn't surround himself with the best people and he himself was not a good person. Yeah. And his apology, I thought was his statement when he resigned saying, I never meant to hurt anybody. It doesn't matter if you never meant to hurt anybody um, because you did. The fact of the matter is, is that you did. Anybody who's of a minority group that heard these comments, uh, you know, have probably heard them and not from John Gruden, but they've heard them from people in their own lives. And even, you know, it's, it's, it brings them back to that. Like I was, I definitely have said comments uh, that I regret, um, but I, you know, I have uh, asked for forgiveness to those who I've said them to and I have, and I, I, I've learned from it. Uh, but I, you know, I, I can't imagine that John Gruden has really changed and because these are from seven years. These were over a seven year period and he's just getting called out now. So I don't know if he really is truly sorry. Cause he's, you know, it just, I don't know. Yeah. No, but, it's just, it's just a result of the situation and it, it sucks for everybody involved especially for the Raiders players and the Raiders organization. I think they're, they're the ones that are affected the most by this. I mean, obviously their players were rallying around coach Gruden for all of these years. Derek Carr has really ended up developing a pretty decent relationship. It seemed with coach Gruden and now they're kind of all in shambles that they've lost their leader. Now I was talking to a coworker today who is a Raiders fan. And um, I was kind of talking with him saying it doesn't, didn't seem like John Gruden was moving the needle for the Raiders. You know, like it, it didn't seem like he was like this amazing coach that was just carrying him to the promised land. No, like, it seemed like he was kind of treading water these last four years. So I don't think it's really going to be a huge drop off in terms of their performance on the field after he's gone. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't really done anything that makes you think, oh, John Gruden's this amazing coach. I mean, the fact of the matter is uh, when he won his Super Bowl, he took over a team that Tony Junji really built up mm-hmm. and, and they kind of finally had their time when John Gruden got there. Um, now, some of those players like Warren Sapp would say that John Gruden's fiery personality is, is kind of what elevated them a little bit. Maybe that's true, but there wasn't something that he just like, he didn't take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from nothing and make them something. He kind of took a team, took a, a team that was already good. So the Raiders, when he got there, weren't really that good and they haven't really done anything since he's been there. So, I mean, the Raiders have been to one playoff appearance since 2003 when they were in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. So... <laughs> Right. Yeah. It has not been good for Raider nation over the past over a decade. Um, but I, I think good things are to come. It seems like the Raiders started off really well this season and they've kind of fallen off over the past couple of weeks, but 
I think if anything, this will allow the players to really rally around each other. Mm-hmm. I think it's only going to bring them closer. I mean, I've never been in a professional sports locker room, so I don't know how all of this works, but I imagine just picturing uh, just a team in general going through something like this, it, it can only make you lean on your teammates even more. Well, and, and also there's, you know, Carl Nassib on the Raiders, who is the first active NFL player to come out as gay, who's, on, who's in that locker room. Right. And he's in that locker room, and, and obviously there's many African-Americans in that locker room who play for the Oakland oh, – sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. So, <laughs> so it's, it's – um, I heard something interesting today where they were talking about how, you know, the NFL for, you know, back in the 70s and 80s uh, and maybe even the 90s too, the fan base was primarily men. And they've been really trying to expand the fan base to women, uh, you know, uh, gay men, uh, lesbian women, every, they're trying to get everybody to watch football. Yeah. And I think that one of the positives from this is that people heard these comments after the, all, like the floodgates opened yesterday and everyone seemed to be on board with this guy needs to go. And this is not going to be tolerated. And I think that that's a positive going forward for people that are of those minority groups that, okay, there's some, there, there are people out there that are going to back us and be there for us in situations like this. So I think that was the one positive you can take away from it. And hopefully the Raiders uh, are able to come together and move on. Uh, and uh, we can all move on. Yeah. And uh, now that we've covered the biggest topic in the NFL right now, that is not about the play on the field. I think we can move on to uh, how our teams did over these past couple of weeks. Uh, yes. Mike, if you want to start, I know the Giants have been dealing with some issues on the field in terms of their play, not as much as you would think, but more so injuries. Oh, you know what? We didn't have a show last week, uh, unfortunately, and I couldn't celebrate the Giants' single win of the season where they came back against the Saints with seven minutes to go. They forced overtime and, and got the ball first and had an amazing drive and won in overtime. Uh, and then I was really hoping that they could at least give Dallas a fight. I didn't expect the Giants to go in there into Jerry World and win, but I thought based on what I saw last week, there was at least a chance. You know, any, anything can happen in the divisional game. And a few plays in, we lose Barkley to an ankle injury. Uh, it sucks for him because he seems to find a way to get hurt almost every single season. He just got off of a season-ending injury to his ACL. It does seem like he's uh, better than we expected, though, right? Yes, he's going to not be out for the season. I guess it's going to be like two to four weeks. So hopefully he'll be back soon and uh, 100% and ready to go. Um, we lost Daniel Jones to a concussion that was pretty nasty. If you saw it, he dove into the end zone like he was Derrick Henry. And... Uh, <laughs> He got up and you could see he was kind of drooling a little bit and he stumbled as he tried to walk away from the whole thing. Oh and it was, shit, I didn't see that. Wow. Yeah, he he like he got up, he you could see there was like foam in his mouth. Wow. And as he walked, he stumbled down and the ref had to like catch him basically. Holy uh, crap, yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. That sounds and, intense. And they had to take him off the, the field on a cart. So um it was bad, and then Galladay got hurt, and then Tony, our uh, you know our first round draft choice, had his breakout game. That was the one positive thing that happened for the Giants is that he played phenomenal. It was good for the Giants, and it was good for my fantasy stats. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he, but he, uh, no, he played an amazing game. But then he got in a fight with a Dallas Cowboy player and punched him in the helmet, which was stupid because you're not going to do much damage with your fist on someone's helmet. Um, and he got ejected from the game, and I'm. I don't. I haven't heard anything about him being suspended for this game, but I'm sure Joe Judge isn't gonna. You know, I'm sure he's gonna give him the full Belichick treatment. So yeah. all around, and and then of course, once all those guys went down, Dallas kicked our ass and beat us 44 to 20. 
wasn't even close. As Mike they Lennon's, should, you know. Yeah, Mike Lennon's not going to be the guy right. who's going to take us to the promised land, or, or let alone win us a game against the Cowboys. So. Former Jacksonville Jaguar, Mike Lennon. Yeah, I mean, he had two interceptions. He has he has more interceptions in three quarters than Daniel Jones has had all season. So, <laughs> hey, well, I think that's one of the biggest stories resulting from this is it's so unfortunate that Daniel Jones was really starting to come into his own, played phenomenally against the Saints. And then this happens. It's just, it seems like the New York Giants can't catch a break. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. And um, I I can speak for fellow Giants fans that we're really, we really want our team to be competitive again and to be relevant again. And, um, you know, we thought that maybe the ship was turning after the Saints game because really after that game, you really kind of felt like, wow, this one in three Giants team should really be three and one. Let's see what they can do against Dallas, but, and see what happens. But with all these injuries, and already being now one and four, you can pretty much write this season off as a lost one and just hope that the younger guys that are on the roster improve and that we can um, make some smart decisions in terms of who's going to be in management. And because I think that they should get rid of Dave Gettleman. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's been said for a couple of years now. Yeah, but I, I, I do think that our our uh, struggles are not as a result, a result of Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been um, on the up, uh, side since really the last uh, six games of last year coming into this year. So I think he is going to be our guy for the foreseeable future in terms of quarterback. I think they need to put an offensive line in front of him to protect him and just the, his weapons around him need to stay healthy. Our wide receivers and our, uh, our you know, Saquon Barkley. I mean, he hasn't had a healthy set of wide receiver cores for longer than two minutes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's hard to develop a rapport and develop a chemistry with your wide receiver core when you're dealing with different wide receivers every single week. Um, but what you said before about Kadarius Tony, he definitely seems like he has the athleticism, the talent, the skill to be very good in the NFL. Uh, but I read uh, earlier today that it doesn't look like he's going to be suspended. Uh, he's just going to get fined. And then whatever the Giants decide to do, they'll do. But um, yeah. it's uh, there's some great young talent on this team. It's just, there isn't, there hasn't been that opportunity to really mold into a successful uh, unit yet. And right. unfortunately with all these injuries, I mean, it makes it real tough. It is disappointing. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, you know, again, we, if, if you've been a Giants fan, as long as I have, um, you've seen, them at the very top of the NFL and, and now we're in a point where we're at the very bottom and that's what's going to make once they get to the top again that much sweeter going through these tough times but they have not gone through as tough of a time as your team is going through my friend yeah. 20 straight losses that's no matter what I'm going through in terms of my team that I, I can't say that I have it at the worst of anybody buddy Mike steals my segue uh, uh. It, this one Mike had to take. I, I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this episode saw my tweet and uh, the Instagram post that was made on the show's page. Uh, just a lot of frustration. Uh, it's been very annoying to get excited and hype for your team and it just really back them no matter what for 20 straight games. Uh, few of them have been close. Most of them have been kind of just like, okay, well, we definitely lost that game. Um, being a Jaguars fan is hard, man. It really is. Like, 
I, I love this team and I always will, but it's just so hard to root for a team that has just never been consistently good or just hasn't been consistently good since like the late nineties. It's uh, Trevor Lawrence is looking great. He, he, he's getting uh, better every single week. He, he is turning into the quarterback that everybody is expecting him to be. I think by the end of the season, he will turn into at least 80% towards the quarterback that we're looking for because he's showing poise. He, he's able to make such amazing throws. He's definitely learned how to tone down, forcing the ball down the field. He's learned how to use his legs. And he was going to be a great leader for this team for years to come as long as he doesn't get hurt. Urban Meyer, all the dumb shit that he's done with – it, obviously he's his bad stories are now overshadowed by John Gruden now, but let's not forget that urban urban Meyer is an absolute dumbass, which I guess we didn't get to talk about because we didn't do a podcast last week. So obviously after the Jaguars lost to the Bengals in a heartbreaking fashion, losing on a last second kick after going into halftime up two scores should have been up three scores, got stuffed at the goal line on fourth, um, fourth and goal going into half after the game. Team's disappointed. Team needs to rally together. Urban Meyer decides to stay in Ohio, go to Columbus, go to a club, and video is released of a woman grinding on his lap. Um, not the best look for an NFL no. coach, a new NFL coach, a coach that's still trying to win over the organization and win over his players. Um, Urban Meyer from the get-go, I was cautiously excited because, you know, it's something new. Like, we, we don't know what Urban Meyer's going to be like. Maybe he's going to be good. Or maybe he's going to be bad. So far, bad. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm rambling right now, but the, just the Jaguars are in shambles. James Robinson is another positive point. He was able to run very well over these last two weeks. If you have him in fantasy football, he's been really contributing to your it's team. Like he knew, it's like he knew I traded him away because I <laughs> traded him away after the first few weeks and he was doing nothing, and then all of a sudden now he's good. It's like, oh, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> but even that highlights how dumb it was to draft a running back in the first round last season. We had James Robinson this whole time and he's yeah. proving to be one of the best running backs in the league already this season. So uh, just a lot of dumb decisions, dumb coaching decisions, not helping Trevor Lawrence out as much as you can. And I do think coming into this next matchup against Miami, I do think this is the best shot they have of winning this season so far. Um, yeah. I did. I did just see that Tua is going to be active for this game. I don't know if he's going to start, um, but I guess we can talk about the the next game later. But yeah, rough to be a Jaguars fan. Yeah, uh, you know anybody who's listening to the show right now is pr- who's probably new to the show must think, wow, these guys really need to be prescribed to some antidepressants. Like these guys sound miserable. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's just the fact of the matter that our teams are combined a one and nine right now this season, and. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I can imagine it's being frustrating being a Jags fan because you had the first game of the season against Houston. That seemed like it was a winnable game. Um, Denver's good, uh, but, you know, it's not like they're unbeatable. They, that was a winnable game. You know, they had Cincinnati, and I told you when they got – when that goal line stand happened and they did not go up 21-0, to zero, I was like, this is where this game changes. Because they had the Jaguars gone up 21-0 to zero and gone halftime with a 21-point lead, they were not going to lose that game. Nope. Um, and uh, – I think that the team was probably a little de- um, distracted and derailed a little bit after the Urban Meyer stuff the week leading up to the Tennessee game. And Tennessee's always been a team that's given you guys some struggle. Um, I'm actually going to say I don't think that was true. They no? came out against Tennessee, and the entire team looked really good to start. Okay. And then the defense just started getting 
picked apart in the second half. Okay. Um, so I honestly do think that the Jaguars as a team were still able to rally and play well. It's just the team's not good. Like the defense is terrible. So unless the offense is playing out of their minds, they're not even going to have a chance in a game. Well, you've got two win, two games upcoming that you can win because you've got Miami, uh, you have a bye week, but then you have Seattle who won't have Russell Wilson. They'll still have um, Geno Smith. Dude, Kristen up. and I were so bummed when that happened because Kristen loves Russell Wilson. Like, Russell Wilson is probably her favorite quarterback in the NFL. Oh, that's right. When you guys go there, he won't be playing. I know. It, oh. like, it, it gives the Jaguars a better chance to win, but we would have loved to see Russell Wilson play. I mean, like, he's one of the – he's going to be go down as one of the all-time greats. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, that didn't hit me until just now. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's unfortunate. But um, it does give the Jags a better chance to win. And, you know, the whole point of your trip uh, is to see every NFL stadium. So, I mean, you still can check that box. But, yeah, I see your right. point. Not being able to see Russell Wilson play is snakes. Even th- when we went to Pittsburgh and we saw Big Ben, an old Big Ben, at least I could take into, like, soaking in this is a Hall of Famer that I'm watching yeah. right here. But – it is funny, again, I, I brought this up in the first episode of the season that you had asked me last year, would you rather be a Jags fan or a Lions fan? They're the only two teams right now without a win. <laughs> right. That's why it was, a, it was a good question. Although the Lions, I feel like they've been a lot more – they've had more heartbreaking losses this season, I'd say. Did you hear about how – did you hear last night at the end of the Monday Night Football game how the broadcaster punched down on the Lions again? They weren't even playing. It was at the very end of the game, and it was like, wow, this Colts loss feels like a Lions loss. And I'm like, man, the Lions can't even catch a break. They're always <laughs> references like these, these losers. You know, I feel bad for Lions fans around the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that the Lions are probably the only fan base, I would say, are worse off than the Jaguars fans. Like, like Lions fans have just been miserable for decades, so – yeah. yeah. And they've been around longer. So right. longer disappointment. <laughs> uh, but one team that has not been disappointing their fan base uh, these last uh, few weeks is uh, the team that resides in the state that we live in and the city that you live in, the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, they had their rematch. The, the game that they had probably circled on their calendar right after the uh, AFC championship game last year. They played the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead, and boy, did they make their presence known and that they were ready to play. And uh, the weather in Kansas City was so upset that it took a delay for an hour and a half because they were so mad. <laughs> Look at that joke. Money Mike pulling out all the jokes today. Yeah. So I, I try to be funny. <laughs> he tries his best. And the Chiefs tried their best, but unfortunately, uh, it just seemed like that was probably the worst game I've seen Pat Mahomes play. I honestly think he played worse in that game than uh, he did in the Super Bowl where he won, ironically, because I feel like he didn't or, – or last Super Bowl, not the one he won, the last Super Bowl. No. Um, I, it just – he seemed to not really hit any op- – not that many open throws. Like, like there were – he was missing open receivers consistently. And it, I didn't – I couldn't really tell what was wrong. I don't know if it's because of the um, – Chris Collinsworth was talking about how teams now against the Chiefs are – was it cover two? Yeah. I mean, two deep safeties on every play just to take away the big play and take away the Tyreek Hill factor and just give everything underneath. And it just seems like the chiefs and Papa Holmes have not adjusted to that. And they're still trying to look for the big play constantly, as opposed to just grinding it out, having these long extended drives, taking what the defense has given you. Um, I think the chiefs will eventually adjust. And I do think they will be fine uh, as the season goes on, as long as, I mean, the issue is their defense is so damn bad, and I'm sure you'll get into that in a second. But 
Uh, the Bills, they looked absolutely amazing. I was really happy to see them pull out the win here. Yeah, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, their biggest problem is that their defense is one of the worst in the league. I mean, it's the second worst defense in the entire league behind Seattle. And, I mean, they can't stop the run. And early on, that's what the Bills were doing is they were running the ball. But, I mean, Josh Allen has looked like an MVP candidate since the first – since after the first week of the season. Uh, you know, he had three touchdowns for 315 yards. He had a touchdown on the ground. He's just been playing phenomenal football. And he's been leading this Bills team to the record that they are, which is 4-1. They should be 5-0. and um, And so the Buffalo Bills really uh, – you know, that's a game that they can check off their list in terms of uh, – establishing their identity this season and saying, okay, we are still, you know, what happened last year was not a one and done thing. We are a real threat to win the Super Bowl, and they're a real threat to win the AFC because now they've established themselves as the top team in the AFC. Um, and right now they, they've got some uh, – they've got the Monday night game against Tennessee, but Tennessee did lose to the Jets, so it's not like Tennessee is this great team to try to beat. Uh, then they have Miami, Jacksonville, the Jets, and the Colts. Those are their next four games after this game against Tennessee on Monday Night Football. So if they can come out of that game and win, uh, it's prime time, anything can happen. They should win those next four games after that. So they should go all the way up to like 10-1. and one, And then they play the Saints, the Patriots, and then the, the true test is going to be December 12th when they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Going up against Tom Brady, a guy who has beaten the Buffalo Bills handily throughout his career. That's going to be a statement game for the Bills to go and try to do and really – because, I mean, their schedule is not that difficult. But, again, no, you really can't – but you can't hold that against the Bills in a, in a way because you can't – you can only hold it against them if they struggle in those games. When you have an easy schedule and you dominate over that schedule – I mean, here's the Dolphins. They beat them 35 nothing. Washington, 43-21. Texans, 40-0. to uh, So they have two shutouts on their list. And then they, they beat the crap out of the Kansas City Chiefs, 38-20. to So they're playing bad teams, but they're beating them down badly. Right. It's not even like it's never really in question. It's honestly kind of boring in some ways. Yeah, it's not like the the the, the, Ra <laughs> the Ravens who are also four and one, and have not had the, that difficult of a schedule, but are struggling to come out of the games with wins. Right. Like they struggled to beat the Lions. They struggled to beat the. I mean, they were down twenty-two to three to the Colts last night. You know, they were dominated for three quarters of that game, and they had a one miraculous quarter with Lamar Jackson, and they had come out with a win. Exactly. So, and it, the AFC is looking pretty weak this year, to be honest. It and has like, been. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's by far the weaker conference of the two. I mean, you've got the Chargers who are the surprise team. They're really good. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the Bills who are dominant. Uh, the Chiefs are surprisingly bad. Uh, but the, and then there's the Ravens who are not that great of a team. They've just been able to pull out some circumstances out of their butt. They could, they could easily be one in, one in four right now. Look, looking at how their teams came or how their games ended up, the only convincing win they had was against the Broncos. Yeah, a team that's uh, three and two that's good. It's just they have a, a few. They're they're not there yet. Is the Cleveland Browns? I think yep. the Cleveland Browns are really good. Their defense is really strong, and they've got one of the best running attacks in the NFL. Here, we're giving away our uh, our later segment while, while we uh, while we cut that off, so we can make sure that we can give all the the good. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that the Bills right now are, are really you, – if you're out there thinking it's because they have a weak schedule, that's why they're good. It's not. They're, they're a good football team. Definitely. I agree. And uh, if, if they can get through the Titans, which, spoiler alert, I think they will, um, their next four games, the combined record of the teams that they're playing are 3-17. and 17. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, like if, they, if they can get through the Titans, they, they will 
easily, in my opinion, end up with a solid, what was that, eight and one record? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Buffalo Bills are looking pretty good. Um, and why don't we uh, move into our next segment? Sounds good. Uh, Mike, why, you can uh, take this one away. All right. So ever, last season, what we started doing was we did a uh, every quarter of the season, we would rank our top 10 teams. Now, this season has 17 weeks. So we waited till week after week five to do our first uh, round of quarterly rankings where we look at the first few weeks and say where we would rank these teams in the top 10. Um, Drew and I each have our own method of coming up with our rankings. Uh, I have been highly criticized for being too harsh on the bills last year, uh, especially <laughs> by one particular listener. He knows who he is. Um, so uh, Drew, let's start this off with number 10. We'll go back and forth between Drew and I as to who we think is in the top 10. And uh, we probably will repeat ourselves a few times because I'm sure we, most of our top 10 teams are the same, but you never know. I do think that my number 10 team is not on Drew's list. So I'm going to start this off by saying that I have at number 10, the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm, okay. in the top 10 because they've played all five of their games this year and very competitively they've played good teams and they've come down right to the very end they could easily be undefeated right now they should have beat the Packers they had plenty of chances to do it Crosby time and time again kept missing and they're and McPherson I think that's his name for Cincinnati yeah. did the same thing yeah. um so they could have easily won that game and they should have beat the Bears I mean Joe Burrow went like 200 something passes without throwing an interception and threw three straight picks against Chicago and they only lost by three points. So that's a game that they should have won again, would have, could have, should have, but the, uh, the Bengals have shown that they can come from behind and they have shown that they can also win uh, late in games. So uh, I'm just going to give them some respect and some love. The Cincinnati Bengals ranked at number 10. Uh, so if the Bengals ended up losing to the Jaguars, do you think you would still would have still put them in number 10? No. <laughs> and that was so close too. No, yeah. it was a team a team that didn't make the top ten. Uh they got left off the list because they lost to the Jets. Ah, see, there you go. Yeah. Same here, by the way. Yeah. Uh that team is the Tennessee Titans. Fuck the Titans. Exactly. That's a catchphrase on this show. If you've never listened before, <laughs> fuck the Titans, because Drew hates the Titans. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I'm indifferent to the Titans, but I'll take his side on this. Thank you. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. I appreciate you having my back. Um there you go. So my number 10 team is actually, I'm sure this is going to be a little frustrating for some people to listen to, but I'm actually going to put the Kansas City Chiefs in number 10. I know their record doesn't look great, two and three. Um, obviously, they have their struggles with their defense, as we just said. Um, but it's just so hard to keep a team that has Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill on the same team, not in the top 10. I just think they will figure this out. Um, obviously, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like a cover two for the entire game is something they can figure out. So I yeah. think throughout the season, it's just going to, they're going to get better. And I think they're probably, I won't be surprised if they peak at the perfect time um, later in the season. So I'm taking the uh, Kansas city chiefs at number 10. Well, they might be able to save themselves a little bit. Their next three games are Washington, Tennessee, and the New York giants. So that's three games that they should win, um, yeah. which would put them right back to five and three. And after that, you know, anything can happen. So um, I didn't leave, I didn't put Kansas city in my top 10 just because I, I don't think that based on the way they've played that they deserved it. Um, I, I, I can understand why you put them there, especially on their reputation, because, it, you know, that's it's hard to really talk against the Chiefs after they've been to two straight Super Bowls and they have the greatest quarterback in the, in the league right now, based on how he's playing right now. Not that he's the greatest quarterback playing. It's Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I respect the Chiefs, but I love them off just because I was going based on the first five weeks of the season and the defense just isn't good. So at number nine, I have 
Um, a team that has a quarterback that was drafted number one overall the year he was drafted. Um, they have a good defense and a good running game. Uh, they just haven't been able to close a couple of their games, and that's the Cleveland Browns. Oh, uh, man, I thought you were talking about the Jags. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, the Cleveland Browns have one of the best uh, – one of the top-ranked defenses in all categories, um, and uh, they also are one of the – they are the top team running the ball in the league. So they're going to be good. They're going to possibly still win the AFC North. Um, right now they're a game behind the Baltimore Ravens in that regard, but I think if the Ravens and the Browns played each other right now, the Browns would uh, demolish them. That's my, my feeling on that. And we'll get to see that proven out, but we'll have to wait because they don't play until – this is really strange. They play each other on the, um, the uh, November 28th, and then they play again on December 12th. So they play – like they're back, they have back to back games against the Ravens. I've never seen that before, but they have their, the Ravens, they have a bye, and then they have the Ravens again. Oh, that is very weird. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that before either. So that's, huh. that, that's going to come later on in the season. But uh, yeah, that's a very strange turn of events for the Browns. So their next few uh, opponents, they play the undefeated Cardinals, then they play the Broncos and the Steelers. So uh, it's not going to be an easy road for them, but I think they've shown that they are a top 10 team in this league. That's why I have them at number nine. All right. For me, I, at number nine, I actually have the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, like you said, uh, like we said earlier, the Ravens, they are four and one. They easily could be one and four. They have had one convincing win against the Denver Broncos, all their other wins against the Chiefs, the Colts, and uh, who's the other team they beat? I can't remember. They beat the Lions. They beat the, the Lions. Lions. That's right. Yeah. So, so they beat the Lions off of the longest kick in the history of kicks at the end of the game. Uh, and then they barely sneak by the Chiefs to beat them by one point, and then they barely sneak by the Colts off of one amazing quarter by Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Um, so obviously, if they were one and four, there is no way they would be on this list. But as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, the good NFL teams find a way to win in scenarios where it's a one-score game, you have to win, the pressure's on, you have to play well, and they seem to just consistently find a way to do it even if it's crazy circumstances like breaking records um they're a team that shows that they know how to win and there are a lot of teams in the nfl that can't do that and they find ways to lose so that's why i'm not keeping them off my top 10 still pretty low but they made it i too have them low i have them at number eight so my number eight team is the baltimore (laughs) ravens um like you everything you just said they know how to win in terms of their winning close games but again I talked about the bills in terms of strength of schedule, how you can't hold them accountable for it because the bills have just beat up on the teams that they are supposed to beat. Whereas the Ravens haven't slightly have just as easy of a schedule so far, but they've barely come out alive. So that's where you can hold strength of the schedule against the Baltimore Ravens in terms of like, yeah, they're four and one, but they played some weak teams. That's where it's fair to criticize them because they barely struggled to win the games. Um, Cause you know, it took a 66 yard field goal to beat the lions. It took a turno- a dumb turnover by the chiefs to lose that game and you know they were being owned last night by the Colts in their own house for three quarters but they did come back and win those games um but I think they're too they're too reliant on Lamar Jackson being phenomenal uh so he has to basically not make mistakes and be as great as he was last night in the fourth quarter every game all season long it's hard to keep that consistency in in the NFL but we'll see He's he's a talented player and we'll see what happens uh, at number eight for me, I have the Cleveland Browns, actually. So okay. I we flipped it. 
Yes, I flipped it. Uh, I 100% agree with you when you said that you believe that if the Browns and Ravens played each other, uh, you believe that the Browns would win. And I uh, feel the same way because the Browns, they have the best one-two punch at running back in the league in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, Baker Mayfield seems to be getting better every year. Obviously, he has not been able to develop that connection with Odell Beckham Jr., which I believe is the reason why the Browns aren't higher on this list. I just feel like he doesn't have that go-to receiver to make a play for him. Um, obviously, last se- or last game, that was David Njoku um, against the Chargers. Uh, obviously, their defense has been hot and cold this season. There have been games where they have been able to absolutely shut down their opponents, and then there are games like last week where they just couldn't stop anything, and the them and the Chargers ended up putting over 40 points each. So um, I think the Browns are a very good team, though, and having a strong run game uh, like that can only do well for you. So I have the Browns at number eight. All right, so Drew has the Browns at number eight. I had them at number nine. So we just flipped our two rankings there. That's, that's interesting. Uh, at number seven, I have the Green Bay Packers. Now, the Green Bay Packers are four and one, top of the, uh, the NFC North, as everyone expected them to be. Um, but I don't know. They've just uh, – they haven't looked phenomenal in terms of how they've been dominant the last two years where they went 13-3 and three in the regular season the last two seasons. They, uh, they barely got out of San Francisco, and they barely made it out of Cincinnati alive. Um, both competitive teams. It's not like those are bad teams to come – but it's, it's not like they dominated those, those two opponents. They beat Pittsburgh by 10. Pittsburgh's not that great a team. They, they did dominate Detroit. Uh, but they, I still can't get out of my head how badly they got beat by New Orleans, who's just an inconsistent team on, in their own right. Um, so, I mean, that's why I, I don't have the Green Bay Packers too high, but I don't have them low or out of the top ten for that reason. I mean, but they don't stand out to me in terms of, like, defense. Uh, they're not, like, at the top of the list in any of the categories. Um, well, I mean, for total defense, they were ranked – of the teams in the top ten, they were ranked a third of the teams in the top ten, but they're not, like, at the top of the league. And they're not in the top rankings offensively for anything either. So, um, you know, they're, they're just they're, – they're good, but they're not great. And that's why I, I don't have them higher up on the list. And uh, I also have the Green Bay Packers at number seven. So, look at that. You and I mirror each other with the wow. number seven picks. Um, really, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. This team is carried by Aaron Rodgers uh, and Devontae Adams. Yeah. Aaron Jones is good. Uh, he, he will have his games. He, he will have his flashes. But every single game, you just expect Rodgers to just pepper Adams with targets and just hope that that works enough times for them to put up enough points on the board to hopefully carry the defense that, like you said, is mediocre at best. Um, yeah. Of all the other teams that it looks like, honestly, the rest of the teams, you and I are probably going to have the same exact teams for the rest of this. It's probably just going to be in different positions. I don't think the Packers are better than any of those teams that we're about to mention. Um, it's just they are ranked here solely on the fact that they have one of the best receivers in the league in Devontae Adams, one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, and those two have the best chemistry, in my opinion, of anybody else in the NFL, um, any other QB wide receiver tandem in the, in the NFL. So um, I have the Packers at number seven as well. Yeah, I mean, when I was sitting down to do this, I, I noticed that they're really – eight teams that were like, okay, these eight teams belong in the top 10. And it was just a matter of where you rank them. And then it was filling in in the other two spots. Uh, So I think, yeah, I think you're right. We're going to have the same teams in the next few picks. It's just a matter of where you put them. Uh, Number six, I put the Los Angeles chargers uh, with Justin Herbert. um, And uh, he's just played phenomenal and they've really, 
been able to do some damage this year and really shock a lot of people. They beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Um, they uh, they beat the Raiders. Uh, they beat the Browns, who have you know had some good moments this season. They barely lost to the Cowboys, who are a good team, and they beat Washington in Week One. Um, I, I the Chargers are uh, they're number two in terms of uh, passing defense and the teams that are in the top ten. So they're one of the better defensive teams on this list. Um, and just uh, statistically, I mean, how can, I mean, he's on pace with Patrick Mahomes this year. He, yeah. He's he's as good as Patrick Mahomes in terms of this season, in terms of statistics. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but 13 touchdowns to three interceptions with a quarterback rating over 100. Uh, and he's already thrown for 1,500 passing yards. He's completing 67% of his passes. Justin Herbert is a quarterback that is going to be at the top of people's lists in terms of quarterbacks uh, for a long time to come because he's just been – really good since he came into the league. He was good last year. This year, it seems like the team around him is stepping up and playing so much better. Austin Eckler is uh, is a, a decent running back, and you've got uh, he's got a good receiver core for him. So, yeah, I, I think that that's why the Chargers are where they are right now, and they're a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. So I also have the Chargers in number six. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look at us. We are in sync. Have the best chemistry of any one-two punch in the podcast game. You heard it here first. Exactly right. Um, but I honestly think that Justin Herbert, you, you said just, you're saying Justin Herbert isn't Pat Mahomes, but I think he could be like very soon. Like, like yeah. he is looking amazing and he is not talked about nearly enough when people bring up the best quarterbacks in, in the league and just how well the top, the upper echelon of quarterback play is Justin Herbert needs to be mentioned in that because yeah. I have watched uh, at least a little bit of every single Chargers game this year, I feel. I just feel like they're always popping up in my red red zone for some reason. And it just – he is playing like he is a seasoned veteran, 10-year quarterback, knows how to read defenses, know how to use his, knows how to use his eyes to move safeties, move defensive backs, and make the insanely perfect throws in tight windows. Like, Justin yeah. Herbert is a very impressive quarterback to watch. And – I think going forward, they're only going to get better. Obviously, he has great weapons in Keenan Allen. And um, Austin Eckler has turned out to be a great running back so far this season. Uh, like you said, their defense is pretty good other than last game. But I think last game was just kind of a crazy situation where nobody could play defense for some reason. So um, I put the Chargers at number six. And it looks like you and I are on the same page. You got for number five. The defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers are my mm-hmm. team at number five. Uh, I think that they uh, have looked good defense in terms of stopping the run, but their past defense has not looked very good and they don't look that in sync. That's why they brought in Richard Sherman, but he's, uh, he, you know, he, he had to come off the couch, so he has to get in game shape. He even said it was kind of uh, tough for him out there that first game back. Um, and, uh, you know, it was very exciting to see Tom Brady play against the Patriots in New England a few weeks ago, um, and he broke Drew Brees' passing record there. We all knew that would happen because Tom Brady's been playing forever. So he's probably going to break all the passing records. Uh, but it was cool that he did it in that stadium that he basically built up and, and made who the, who the New England Patriots are known as to everybody as a team that most people hate uh, or resent. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they barely got out of that game alive, and the Patriots aren't really that great of a team this year. Um, they got beat pretty – I mean, they only lost by 10, but it seemed like the Rams had owned them a bit. Uh, when they played Dallas, Dallas had uh, – played with them right to the very end of a lot of people's eyes, Dallas outplayed them. So it's, it, it, Tampa is a team that is, you know, four and one. That's where a lot of us probably expected them to be, but they are not the Super Bowl champion caliber team that they were at the end of last season yet. I think they can get there, 
but they still have a little bit of a ways to go. They have a Thursday night game coming up against the Philadelphia Eagles, and I hope to God they crush them and make the Eagle fans cry uh, because I hate Philadelphia. Um, so even though I know the Giants are irrelevant, I still want to see the Eagles struggle and lose. So <laughs> I'm rooting for Tampa Bay to do that on Thursday. But that's why, I, I, again, I, I don't – I think the teams I have ranked above them I think are better teams than them. And I didn't take into account head-to-head matchups. That's why one of the teams that I have ranked above them, uh, I'll explain why shortly. All right. Well, I'm sure you're very excited to talk about that team. No. Um, <laughs> False. I am actually about to talk about that team right now because I ranked the Dallas Cowboys at number five. Um, all of the reasons you just said in relation to them playing the Bucks, I 100% agree with. I think the Cowboys should have won that game. Uh, the Cowboys are looking amazing right now. Dak Prescott is playing out of his mind, coming off of an injury that we didn't know if he was going to be able to come back. And he's come back slinging the ball around, firing on all cylinders. Zeke Elliott looks like the Zeke Elliott of old, and having him as a tandem with Tony Pollard in the backfield in Dallas has turned out to be a great way for this offense to run. Obviously, their wide receiver uh, group, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, um, it's they, they've turned out to be very good. Dalton Schultz, the tight end, has turned out to play really well and has proved to be a great fantasy asset for everybody who was able to pick him up off of the waiver wire. Um, but the biggest, most shocking thing about the Cowboys this season is their defense and specifically Trayvon Diggs. I mean, that man is leading the conversation for defensive player of the year right now. And who would have thought that a player on the Dallas Cowboys would be the one leading that conversation? So the fact that now the Cowboys have a defense on top of their always stout, talented offense, they're scary. When Dallas runs the ball more than they pass in the Dak Prescott era, they are 20 and 0. 20 and 0. And they've got two running backs right now in Elliott and Pollard who are just playing both out of their minds. And you're right, having a defense behind them is really what's taking them over the top of where they've been the last few years. So I'm going to jump right in here. And I have Dallas ranked at number four um, for all the reasons you just said. Um, and Drew, I, listen, there are three teams. <laughs> there are three teams in professional sports that I can't stand the New York Yankees the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Those three teams, I hate them. I, hate, I, I root for them to lose every game I've ever watched any of those teams play unless it benefits my team to clinch a good division. That's the only time I will root for them to do well. Um, so that being said, I do give respect <laughs> where respect is due. And I, I, as, as much as I hate the Cowboys as a team, I respect someone like Dak Prescott, who's always been uh, a very professional. Um, he had a very horrific injury last season. Uh, it was – it broke my heart to watch him cart off the field and just crying because he knew that his season was over. Um, and I was happy to see him come back from that in terms of him recovering and being able to play. Uh, but man, I, I hate Dallas so much, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They are the best. They, they, they are number one in turnover ratio in the league. They are taking the ball away and they are protecting the ball. Um, so that's something that, and that's why they've crushed most of the people they've played. I mean, they crushed the Eagles, they crushed the Panthers and they, I mean, they ended up only losing to the Panthers, beating the Panthers by eight. But they were basically dominating, and then they crushed the New York Giants, unfortunately. So <laughs> Dallas is a formidable opponent in the not only the NFC least, uh, they are going to be a threat in the NFC as a conference. And I bet people before the season thought, oh, well, the NFC East, you know, the team that wins, it's going to win like 10 games, maybe even nine. No, Dallas is going to run away with this division. They'll probably win it by six or seven games. That's, oh, how, yeah. that's how far the gap will be because Washington's bad. 
the Eagles are bad, and the Giants are all in the infirmary. So uh, Dallas Cowboys number four. You have them at number five. Drew, who do you have at number four? So at number four, I have uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I flopped again. Yes, we flip-flopped again. I completely echo everything you said about their defense. That is their Achilles heel right now, especially their passing defense. The rushing defense actually hasn't been that bad, which is the same as last year. But, yeah, they're struggling to defend through the air. Um, But Tom Brady, who obviously is the greatest quarterback of all time, he seems to be playing a lot better this season than he was last. And, obviously, that's because he's been able to develop a rapport with Bruce Arians with – the uh, system with his receivers. Now there's some continuity with Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Bray, all of those guys. I mean, just listing all those, those names, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the best receiving core in the NFL, in my opinion. And that means if you circle that group with Tom Brady, they're only going to get better as the season goes on. And as long as the defense figures it out, at least a little bit, I do think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a better team than the Cowboys, just barely. And obviously they, they beat them early in the season. Like you said, close game. Cowboys played out of their minds. Um, so I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number four. You know, what's interesting is that uh, the thing that Tampa Bay has been struggling with on their offense is running the ball. Yep. Leonard Fournette had a good game uh, last week, but that was one thing they've been struggling with, and it's their pass defense. If they can figure those two things out, I think they're still a threat to be the team to beat in the NFC. Mm-hmm. It's just, those are the things they need to figure out. And I felt like in that first week of the season that Dallas outplayed them, even though they lost. And that's why I decided to flip the two uh, in terms of my rankings. But I do hope that I uh, am wrong about that. And Tampa Bay, if they do meet Dallas again down the line, as Dak Prescott has already predicted, uh, when he shook Tom Brady's hand after that game, they would see each other again. I hope Tampa Bay uh, beats the piss out of them. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, number three, I have another NFC team. Uh, this is a team that dominated over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I feel like if they played Dallas, they would beat them. And that is the Los Angeles Rams. Your Super Bowl pick, by the way. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Did you pick them to beat the Bills in the Super Bowl or did you pick the Bills to win? I picked the Bills to win. Okay. Well, your Super Bowl loser uh, prediction, I have at number four. Uh, number three, sorry. Um, I am loving watching this team do well. I'm unfortunately going to have to watch them do really well against the Giants this week, um, <laughs> which I will not enjoy, but I understand it's going to happen, so I'm not um, going to be shocked when it does. Uh, but uh, I, I have enjoyed seeing Matthew Stafford playing so well. Um, it looks like he's having a ton of fun. He's played, uh, you know, he's completed 68% of his passes. He's also thrown under 1,500 yards, uh, 12 touchdowns and three interceptions. Drew, are we in store for a potential L.A. versus L.A. in L.A. Super Bowl between the Rams and the Chargers? It's, it's, it's very it's possible. possible. It you know? is very possible. You know, so it's it just they've – the Rams are a good uh, defensive team as they have been in the years past, um, and they're uh, a phenomenal offense. Hey, they're a show. They're in LA. They're they're really good. Their only blemish on their resume is they got killed by the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are undefeated, so it's kind of hard to say it's a blemish on their schedule. So, um, I, I will say that the uh, the LA Rams are going to be a team at the top of the AFC, uh, the NFC, and they are a team in the NFC West that is going to potentially win the division, depending on how they play against the Cardinals in the second game. But with Seattle's injuries and uh, San Francisco's injuries, I feel like this this great division that was going to be a race between four teams has come down to these two teams between the Rams and the Cardinals. So um, what are your thoughts on that? So uh, I actually also have the Rams at number three. Um, going into the matchup, uh, two weeks ago against the Cardinals, I was telling people, I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL. 
Um, they have a stacked defense with the best corner in the league and the best defensive lineman in the league and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have turned out to be great receivers for Matthew Stafford to work with. Matthew Stafford is really has very quickly been able to assimilate into Sean McVay's system. Yeah. Um, and I think he's only going to get better as the season goes on because obviously this is all so new to him. He's on a good team. Like, like he's got to get used to that, you know, and I think he will. Uh, their running backs have been good. Daryl Henderson, uh, Sony Michelle, they have both been able to uh, produce. Um, so I think just roster wise, the Rams, I going into the game against the Cardinals, I was saying, I think they're the best team in the league. Um, but obviously they got destroyed by the Cardinals. So it's kind of hard to put them ahead of the Cardinals when you have full proof that Kyler Murray has been playing out of his damn mind and was able to take care of his division rivals. So I have the Rams at number three. And who do you have at number two? The Deuce. I have the t- I, I, so there's two teams left. Everyone knows who the two teams are, but where do we rank them? Hmm. Well, one team is undefeated. The other team is not. So logically, oh, logically, you would think the team that's undefeated should be number one. But in this case, they're not. Hey, I, I have the Cardinals at number two. And the reason being is that the Cardinals, while they are undefeated, they don't really rank at the top of any list in terms of defense or um, even offense. They, uh, and their strength of schedule is, you know, they, they're, they're, their combined schedule right now is 11 and 14. So it's not like they've played great opponents. Um, so I took all that stuff into account, like where they are in the league in terms of defense in the rankings statistically, where they are in terms of offense statistically, they're kind of middle of the pack in both. They're not really at the bottom of any of those lists, um, but they're also not at the top. So they killed the, the Rams, which was very impressive. That was at the Rams too. So they still have to play the Rams again, but in their own house. Um, they beat up on the Titans, who was a playoff team last year. They uh, had a close game with the Vikings where they proved that they can win in a close game. They beat the Jaguars, but the Jaguars actually gave them a fight. And as we talked about very early on in the show, the Jaguars are not a very good team. Um, (laughs) And then they played a 49ers team that has been plagued with injuries and they only won 17 to 10. So uh, they're five and oh, but are they true five and oh, like, are they really that dominant team? That's um, that's undefeated because the team I ranked above them, in my opinion, should be undefeated and they've dominated their, their schedule more so than Arizona has, but you're right. Kyler Murray's been playing out of his mind. It's been fun to watch. We'll see how uh, it goes, uh, where they'll be five weeks from now when we do this again. I also have the Arizona Cardinals at number two. So it looks like you and I, we had a pretty similar list. There was, a, there was two different teams we had uh, yeah. in the Bengals and the Chiefs at number 10, which obviously at number 10, it was kind of a crapshoot. There were so many teams to choose from. But yeah, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, like you said, um, they've been able to find a way to win every single one of their games, even if it wasn't pretty for some of them. Um, Kyler Murray, he's definitely going to be one of the top candidates for MVP this year. Uh, he's definitely carrying this team on his back and with his legs. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk. I mean, they, they have some great skill position players, Chase Edmonds and James Conner as well in the backfield. Uh, Chandler Jones racking up the sacks starting in, in week one. I believe he had five sacks in the first game. Uh, J.J. Watt is obviously one of the best defenders in the league. But – as is always said, I think, and a lot of other people think that if you have the best defense in the league and, or if you have a best defense in the league, I mean, that, that wins championships, yeah. but the fact that you have one of the best offenses in the league as well, that is why I believe that the Buffalo Bills are at number one as you do as well. So I'll give you, have, 
have you give your analysis first. Yes. For those of you that listened to the show last year, you might remember a segment where Drew took every criticism I had of the Bills and put it all in one completion. And we had to listen <laughs> to that, me criticizing the Bills all year long. When we did this list, I was always called up by, again, a particular listener. He knows who he is saying that I was being very unfair to the Bills and how am I not ranking them so high. Uh, I have them at number one on the list because they are number one in total defense. They're number one for pass defense, and they're number three in the league for rushing defense. Uh, And their quarterback, which we all know is the most important position on the field, is the leading MVP candidate for obvious reasons. Josh Allen's been playing out of his mind since they had the flat tire game against Pittsburgh week one. It was week one, and – you go from you know, – they're one less punt block away from winning that game. Um, so it, the Bills, not only are they a phenomenal team on all sides of the ball, they're coached well, and right now they're on a path to where they're probably going to be playing the majority of their playoff games, if not all their playoff games, in Buffalo. And their, their home field advantage is better than most teams in the league because especially at that time of year, it's going to be cold. You're going to have a passionate fan base. It's going to be cold and loud for the opponent. And the Bills players are going to be used to it. So the Bills are on a path to possibly host the AFC championship game that I know many Bills fans are probably already trying to reserve their tickets for. So well, nobody Bills even right now knows who the hell the Bills are going to play anymore in the AFC championship game with how weak the AFC looks, you know? Yeah. I mean, but right now, I mean, if you look at when I'm, when I'm ranking this list, if the Bills have to play uh, the Chargers, I think the Bills would beat the Chargers. If they have to play the Ravens, I think the Bills can beat the Ravens. If they have to play the Chiefs, they obviously can beat the Chiefs. They just did it. Yeah. Uh, the Bengals, the Titans, the Browns, the, the, the Broncos, the Patriots. I mean, name any team that you think is good. In the I think if they played Pittsburgh again, they would beat them. Yeah. So it, it's it, – right now it's, it's the Bills and then everybody else in terms of the AFC. Like, they're the team to go through. I mean, that's one of the statements they took away from Sunday night. It's like, we're actually the team to go through, not – pretty boy Mahomes and his dandruff commercials with uh, Troy Polamalu. <laughs> or his, yeah. His yeah. never not working shampoo. <laughs> That's actually a pretty great commercial. I do. Yeah. I, I actually, whenever I use head and shoulders, I always think of myself never not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part is when Polamalu uh, appears as a dentist. He's like, Oh, what the hell? <laughs> I, I like when he's in the movie theater on the screen and like he drops his popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. But no, I mean, I 100% agree. Obviously, like I said, I take the, the Buffalo Bills at number one as well. Their defense is phenomenal. I know everybody loves to talk about the offense, loves to talk about Josh Allen. I think their offense can get better. I, I, they've been playing well over these past four games, but they can definitely still clean it up. There, there are some, some times where you, you still scratch your head on what they do, whether it's a design run for Josh Allen where he ends up taking – a massive hit for no reason just to get two yards. Um, they, they're still missing throws. They're not, they're not incorporating maybe Cole Beasley as much as they should. I mean, obviously Dawson Knox has stepped up to be what, honestly, their, their number three receiver, Emmanuel Sanders has turned out to be the perfect number two guy for Buffalo as everybody playing against Buffalo is focusing all of their attention on Stefan Diggs on the defensive side. Um, so I think there's still room to grow for this offense. And if this defense can still play, the way they have been playing for the rest of the season, man, I don't, I don't know who's going to beat the, the bills. I mean, I know, like, like we said, all of these top NFC teams are so good, but yeah. I don't know if there's any more complete team in the NFL than the Buffalo bills. My biggest concern with the bills is that they do rely on Allen too much in the run game. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I'm afraid that he's going to take one hit too many. Um, right. So I'm knocking on wood right now that he's, you know, everything stays fine, but that's my, that's really my only concern. I think they're, they're obviously they're dominant on defense and anything that they need to adjust to learn, to get better. They can only go, they, I mean, they're already at the top. So, I mean, they can just only get better. Um, and then, uh, you know, like you just said, all their weapons, digs, uh, Sander, every, everything they're, they're, they're the best team in the NFL. It's not even close right now. They're, they're playing better than anybody right now. And, uh, I would just love to see them. I, I, as much as I don't want to see Dallas in the Super Bowl, I would love to see them beat the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Just <laughs> have Dallas Cowboys fans' hearts just ripped right out of their souls. There you um, go. But I think that Bills fans, if, if, if I'm a Bills fan, what I want is you want Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. They want to take him down. <laughs> but they, they just want a Super Bowl, man. I, I don't think they care. Like, that would be great. But, but I think I, that would make them the most nervous if they had to play Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. But I, I but here's the thing. I, I, I go back to what I said the first episode of this this season is that the Bills fans, I know that they like they, they've been gone from we want to get to the playoffs, then we want to win a playoff game. Uh now this next step logically would be to win the AFC because based on where they finished last year. No, it's not enough. This is a team that can win the Super Bowl. That should be the expectation. It's win the Super Bowl or it's a failure. Does yeah. it, that's they have that that this window of opportunity. The AFC is bad. They have a chance to win the AFC, not because just because they're great, because their opponents aren't really that great at all. And if you're a Bills fan and you're listening to all of this praise that's coming from all of the big uh, sports media outlets, including another damn sports podcast, it, it has to make you a little nervous. You know, like they're not used to being in this position where they're the ones expected to win. Like I was talking to my coworker today, and he's like, "I'm actually kind of glad that we lost against the Steelers." Imagine if we were undefeated right now. We'd, we'd feel like our shit doesn't stink and that we can't lose to anybody. Right. But at least that grounded us and made us realize that, yeah, we're a great team. Yeah, we're one of the best teams in the NFL. But it's any given Sunday. So mm-hmm. um, I think there's going to be a little bit of cautious optimism going into the playoffs. I, I think Bills fans know that anything can happen. And uh, you, you have to not be too confident. So well, hopefully I'm really hoping that the bills can continue this, this wave for the rest of the season, because everybody knows they can, their schedule isn't that hard. They honestly might not even lose more than one more game this entire season at this point. Right. So Buffalo bills at number one makes a lot of sense. Makes a ton of sense. And we're not alone in that. Colin Cowherd has been ranking them as the number one team in his rankings last two weeks. Shannon Sharp has them as his top team right now. Uh, I think some other uh, folks on the other network on ESPN have them up there. Rich Eisen gave them a lot of praise. So people are, like you said, people are respecting the bills. It's, it's not like they were one of those teams that no one ever really talked about because they were always eight and eight, seven and nine. Now they're, you know, at the top of the AFC where they should be. And um, we'll see what happens. It's, you know, the thing is, is that even though our team sucked, it's kind of nice to be able to turn to the bills and be like, okay, like, you know, well, I, I, my, you know, the Jaguar stink or the Giants stink. We can at least look at the Bills as a team that's not a rival of ours and be like, you know, root for the local team. Hope they right. do well. Exactly. Now, Mike, do you think that the, um, the Bills put a whooping on the fucking Titans next week? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be it's gonna be fun to watch, especially for you. Um, yeah, I think the Bills come into that game uh, and they'll, they'll beat them. Because here's the thing. The Bills – I looked at that game on the schedule early on in the year. I'm like, ooh, that's going to be a tough one. But the, you got to keep in the back of your mind, the Titans lost to the Jets. 
He lost to the Jets. Okay, so I think that the Bills will beat Tennessee, um, and I think that it will be maybe a little bit of a closer primetime game than Kansas City gave uh, gave them. But the Bills are the uh, you know they're number one in pass defense and they're number three in rushing defense. And what's Tennessee's strength? Running the ball. So if they can run, if they if they take the run away, they're also good in the pass defense. So what's Ryan Tannehill going to do? So, <laughs> and the biggest difference between the Bills last season and this season, in my opinion, is their uh, the pressure they're able to put on the quarterback at the defensive line. Yeah, uh, they they used their first two picks last year in the draft on defensive line, and it's really paid dividends for them. They've been able to generate pressure way better than they were last year. And I think if they're able to generate pressure and stop the run, I mean, Tannehill is not going to be able to do shit. And I 100% agree. I think the Bills put a whooping on the Titans next week. Yeah, so we're in agreement there. Uh, is there any hope for your Jacksonville Jaguars to win this week? I, I said this earlier in the show. I honestly do think that the Jaguars have a great chance to win this game. They definitely could have won their last two games. That they, I, In my opinion, they should have beaten the Bengals. I mean, they came out looking amazing, and the defense just kind of choked it away in the second half. Last week, it was a close game. We, we got screwed. Um, on a uh, the refs overturning a rushing touchdown by Trevor Lawrence in the in the fourth quarter that would have brought us within one score. Our defense was really killing it. All the momentum was on the side of the Jaguars at that point. Then once they reversed that call, and then the Jaguars got stuffed on fourth and goal, it just completely took all of the energy out of the stadium, all the energy from the team, and that's why the Titans were able to open up the lead, score another touchdown, and win thirty-seven to nineteen. But that showed that the Titans really aren't that good. If the Jaguars are getting that close to beating them, that's like why we said the Bills should destroy them. And I think the Jaguars have been showing that they've been getting better every single week. Meanwhile, the Dolphins have been getting worse every single week because of the injury to Tua, just a lack of continuity. And I do think the Jaguars will win in London, 9.30 a.m. on the Eastern Coast. Very excited to watch. I am in agreement with you. I, I think this is the game the Jaguars uh, get their first win of the season. Um, and they will leave the Lions as the only uh, winless team in the NFL after week six. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Jaguars as well. I think this is the, the game that Trevor Lawrence steps up, um, maybe doesn't have a turnover, and plays well. And I think that Miami will uh, be able to score on Jacksonville, but not enough to win the game. Jags win by 10. Over the a game of two Florida teams flying all the way across the pond to play each other. How annoying is that? Oh, man. That was, <laughs> when you look at the schedule, it's like, oh, well, at least this one's in state. Nah. Nope. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I, I do remember you saying earlier that uh, you feel that the Giants are going to get whooped. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a 20-point – bet the over uh, because it will all be the Rams' points. Uh, <laughs> Mike Lennon is going to – if he's playing, um, even, even if Daniel Jones plays, like in, he comes out of concussion protocol, which after the hit I saw, he shouldn't. Um, no, it's not going to matter. Giants aren't going to have a chance in this game. Well, who, uh, so, who else is on the team other than Glennon, who's going to be the backup if Jones is inactive? Uh, probably our punter. Um, <laughs> you guys don't even have a backup quarterback. You're just going to throw Glennon out there and be like, hey, good luck. Don't yeah. get hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I think that um, on the depth chart, let's see. Let's see. I don't I'm even curious. know. No, we don't have it. We don't carry a third quarterback. That's so funny. You guys didn't sign anybody off of the practice squad or anything? No, that's, that's didn't... funny. Dan Jones is listening as questionable, so I, I don't know if he's uh if he's out. I mean, he's just going. They all they have him listed as is uh, going through the concussion protocol. So, um, yeah. 
<laughs> we'll see what we'll see what happens. He's uh, even if he plays though, I don't see us beating the Rams without Saquon Barkley, without no. Galladay. Um, yeah. I just I have a hard time believing that. So I think the Giants will struggle. I think the Rams will probably win this game pretty easily. So I'm going with the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams as well. Don't really need any analysis with that. Um, did you see that uh, the Seahawks brought in Blake Bortles today? Did so, they really? Yeah, yeah. To to see what he's got, see if he wants to be the backup for uh, Geno Smith. It would be so funny if when we go see the Jags play them and Blake Bortles ends up starting for the Seahawks against us. That'd be so awesome. I would love it. That's better than Russell Wilson. I don't even pack, care. Pack, pack <laughs> your pair of Bortles jerseys in case that scenario presents itself. <laughs> My pair of Bortles jerseys, yes. Um, but that, that would be amazing to see uh, Blake back into the league starting for an NFL team once again. Always a fun quarterback to watch, even though not the best quarterback, but um, Money Mike is, I believe that covers everything. Oh, no, it doesn't, because we have to talk about how the Titans fucked me over again. <laughs> so we did this new pick segment of the Eliminator Challenge, and I came up with the idea, like, you know, it's a 17-week season. We might get one or two wrong early on. Let's have a strike system. And I thought that would take us all the way to, like, week 12 at least. But uh, Drew and I – both took the bait and picked the Titans against the Jets and both got screwed on that. But that was the first strike for me, but for you, that was your first strike because you had the audacity or stupidity to pick the Giants and the Jaguars. It's <laughs> 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 your lock pick when it's a 17 season. Those are teams you don't have to pick at all. <laughs> hey man, I like to take risks, even if they're dumb risks. Uh, all right. Well, you took, you took a few too many. So you're technically out of the contest in terms of the rules. Uh, but, I still want you to make a pick each week just so by the end of the season, we can count how many you get wrong. Uh, So, but I'm going to go first since I'm still in it. I cannot pick San Francisco. I can't pick Arizona. I can't pick Tennessee. I can't, I think, um, and I can't pick Denver. Those are the teams I've already chosen. Um, So this week I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers at home on Sunday night football to beat the Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks uh, as my, uh, as my eliminator pick this week. So I'm taking this opportunity to take the Steelers who are not that great of a team. And I'm going to take uh, take them over a team with a guy who's a god and a god awful quarterback who proved it in New York on two different teams in New York. Oh man! All right. Well, I'm just gonna make the the easy pick here this week. I did just just get myself a win, so I'm gonna take the Rams. I, I, like at this point, I can't use the strategy of trying to take teams that I want to take later in the season. I just have to get wins. Yeah. My uncle shared with me a strategy for this because I told him that we were doing this. And he goes, you know how you win those, those type of things, whether you do it uh, in this or in like a work pool or something? He goes, you got to do it from the last week of the season and, and work your way down that way. So look at the matchup week 17 and say, okay, I'm going to pick this team here. So I can't pick them week one and work right. your way backwards. Yeah, I could see that working. Kind of a smart strategy. It's just yeah. there's always that game like the Titans and the Jets. It's like it looks obvious on paper, but then you have, get a surprising result. Dude, you know, I can only imagine how many uh, survivor pools people lost in with that. Because, like, oh, that, yeah. is, that is the juicy pick right there. It's like all the Titans. This is the perfect pick. We're not going to use them later in the season. This is perfect. Right. I mean, out. last year, and it, it's been kind of working this year, Your strat- if your strategy is pick whoever's playing against the Jets or the Jaguars or the Giants, you're pretty safe that your pick's going to be right. <laughs> so, I, I bet know. a lot of people – I not only did a lot of people probably lose on that pick, they probably lost in the Saints over the Giants. Yep. Because the Giants shocked everybody by beating the Saints in New Orleans in their first game since the hurricane. Right. Like, no one would have had the Giants winning that game, including yes. me. I didn't. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's the NFL, though, right? Any given Sunday. Yeah, but uh, th- that completes our uh, pick segments. I will say just to get off NFL for just a second. Of course. Uh, no, he's wearing the hat, so he's got to talk about it. I get it. Well, I, I, you know. And look, the shirt, too. We Yes, this is the World Series championship shirt from 2018. Uh, the Boston Red Sox uh, shocked the world and upset the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays, who were the number one uh, overall seed in the American League, they won 100 games this year. Um, were no match for my Boston Red Sox as the Red Sox won the series three games to one and they advanced the American League Championship Series against the Houston Astros who clinched their spot in there today. So the Red Sox are once again in the uh, championship contention and I love it. So I I do have a team to root for this fall uh, and I'm very excited by it. I mean, it's it's fun to watch a team winning. Like when I was being, uh, I get texts every week from people saying, hey, the Giants, look how good they are. And I, and it was actually kind of nice this Sunday to be like, you know what? Yeah, it sucks, but at least I've got the Red Sox. There you go. Yeah, you have something positive to focus on. And is that considered like one of the biggest upsets in the history of baseball, the Red Sox being the Rays? Uh, I wouldn't say in the history of baseball because like we were so much worse than them. It's just no one ex- no one expected the Red Sox to go into that series and win the way that they did. I think a lot of true Bostonian uh, – obviously, I'm not from Boston, so I'm not a Bostonian. But uh, a lot of true Red Sox fans that believed in their hearts that it was going to happen no matter what still believe that. But I think a lot of rational fans were like, you know, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a tough series. Like everyone – the narrative around the Yankees-Red Sox wildcard game was, okay, great. Whoever wins this is in the playoffs, but – they're probably going to get beat by Tampa Bay. And when the Red Sox lost to Tampa Bay five to nothing in the first game of the series, then in the second game, we had our, our ace pitcher, Chris sale, give up a grand slam in the first inning and was out after one inning. It was like, wow, this is going to be a long series for us or a short series. Cause they're just going to sweep us. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but the Red Sox came back and won that second game, 14 to six. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah. And then in the second, <laughs> and then uh, went 13 innings in the next game in Boston and won on a walk-off home run. And then nine innings they, in yesterday's game, they were up five to nothing to start the game in the third inning. And the Rays came back and tied it in the eighth inning, making it five to five. And then in the ninth inning, the Red Sox were able to get one run across and win six to five and walk it off and win the, uh, win the series. So it's been exciting to watch. It's been fun. I was going to say, um, this must have been one of the most, if not the most exciting series you've ever watched. Like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, dude, and that's why, like, when when I tell people I'm such a, you know, when when people learn I'm a big Red Sox fan, they always say, "Oh, I I think baseball's so boring." If you really like love the game, this has been an exciting series. Even if you didn't love baseball, this was an exciting series to watch. This was one of the more exciting series to pay attention to. Um, And uh, I heard somebody say that, "Oh, it's a shame it was only a five game series." And I'm thinking, "Nope, we got our (laughs) business done in three games. I'm happy. We're moved on." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. We weren't weren't supposed to. So. It's uh, it's it's fun. Houston's a team that beat up on us in the regular season. We didn't play them a lot. We only played them seven times. But th- of those seven games, I think the Red Sox lost five. So it's gonna be another tough series. We're not favored to win this one either. Um, and uh, I'm just excited about this team, and I'm really, really hopeful and optimistic that the Red Sox are gonna pull it off and maybe make it to another World Series. So I'm excited. That is wild, man. So they are back into the AL championship, huh? Oh, it's so good. And you know what? The, uh, the Red Sox have won their last uh, four times they've been in the American League Championship Series. So hopefully they can repeat and do it again. But the, they're playing a team that has been to the American League Championship Series five years in a row in the Houston Astros. Now, this is the first time the Astros, I think, have made it without cheating. But <laughs> they still made it there. So Kudos to them. They're going to be a formidable opponent. So um, 
I'm excited to see this play out, and I'm I'm excited to see who uh, is playing in the National League because right now you've got two of the best teams. I mean, Drew, this is what kind of stinks about the way that baseball or any sport works. Um, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, but you, you know how we have divisions um, that kind of you have a, a team that like in the NFC East, right? Mm-hmm. That wins the division yeah. at, at seven and nine, and right. they have a four seed over a team that has won like eleven games. Well. This year in baseball, in the National League West, the San Francisco Giants were 107-55, and 55, best team in baseball in terms of their record. The second best team in baseball was in their own division, the Los Angeles Dodgers, at 106-56. and 56. They lost Oh, my them by God. One. They lost to them by one game and had to, were forced to play in the do-or-die wildcard game against the Cardinals. Ugh. And now they're playing each other in only a five-game series as opposed to a seven-game series, even though they're clearly the two best teams in the National League. That sucks. And so now the, the um, I, now I want the Giants to beat the Dodgers because the Dodgers won last year. And I don't want the, I don't want the Red Sox to play the Dodgers in the World Series. <laughs> I don't want that risk. So, but it it, it does kind of stink that baseball fans are robbed of a seven game series between these two, you know, titans, so to speak, in in baseball right now. Uh, but it, that's I, that's why I hate the whole like I, I'm a traditionalist, so I like the division structure only because of that. But I do kind of wish that it was just like who are the best four teams? Right. It's like the, the NBA. Best. And yeah, exactly. Like the NBA, it's just, it, it's kind of unfortunate. So if you're a Dodger fan, your season might be over by the time you listen to this podcast, because they're playing right now. So we when's the next do... Sox game? Uh, so they play uh, the, uh, I actually don't know. I don't know because they, they had to wait for the Houston series to finish. Houston was up two games to one against Chicago and they played Chicago today because their game got delayed. Um, and the Houston Astros beat the White Sox 10 to one. Oh, <laughs> so... wow. What a way to end your season. Jeez. Yeah, um, so um, I'm thinking that the next game will be – okay, so their game one is Friday at Houston. So they play Friday and Saturday in Houston, and then they will have a day off on Sunday and play again in Fenway Park on Monday. But there's always magic at Fenway Park. But right now the uh, – so the playoffs are Houston and the Red Sox have advanced the American League Championship Series, and the Atlanta Braves uh, won today 5-4 to four over Milwaukee. And so now the Atlanta Braves will await the winner of the Dodgers and Giants Series uh, for the National League Championship. So, all right, man. Well, maybe I'll uh, I'll try and catch a couple innings of the the Sox game, one of the Sox games this weekend. Uh, very excited for you. I'll be rooting for them for you because obviously, Appreciate like it. you said, uh, no no love in the football world from your team uh, as with me. So, uh, you and I are both Bills fans. We're both Red Sox fans this weekend. Uh, we will uh, hope that those teams pull out a win. And uh, is there anything else you want to say to our wonderful fans of another damn sports podcast? Oh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, Sorry. We weren't able to do a show last week, but uh, we're happy to bring you content week after week and break down the NFL season. And like I, like I said, at the beginning of the show, Drew and I might need to get prescriptions for antidepressants over our teams, but there are some positives like the Red Sox and the Buffalo Bills right now. There you go. Well, I hope you guys enjoy week six of another damn sports podcast. No, of the NFL season.